Good morning, Mazarani. It, it is a pleasure and a joy for me to be here today with you, sharing the, the Word of God uh, with you. I, I really, really thank God for this opportunity, and I thank God for the elders for having allowed me to come and share the Word of God with you. I also bring you greetings from a small church in a farm called Midran Chapel Baptist Church. That's where I'm a member and that's where I serve and I do bring you greetings from that church and I am here with some of the believers from that very, very church. And thank you so much for a very beautiful morning. Let us pray so that we can go into the word of God. Our dear Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word that is anointed, your word that is powerful, active, alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. We ask, O oh Lord, that may your word, Father God, pierce our hearts this morning and bring us to a point of worship, Father God, and a point of surrender to your will, O oh God, and to your ways. Give us, O oh God, an understanding to your word. I pray for myself as your servant. Weak as I am, Father, I ask that you work despite my weakness. I ask, O oh God, that you use every avenue here present in this pulpit, O oh God, to powerfully transmit and communicate your message, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. My name is Nkali. My name is Mashiani. For those of you who do not know me. This morning we are going to look at one of the very interesting books in the Bible. Uh, that is the book of Psalms. Um, we know a few things about the book of Psalms. We know that it is a compilation of poems and hymns and songs that took many years to compile about, say, a, a, a thousand years? Around a thousand years. From the time that the children of Israel were redeemed from their slavery in Egypt through that great man of God, Moses, all the way to the years that they traveled in the wilderness to God giving them the land flowing with milk and honey and establishing them there and giving them a united kingdom all the way to the days of their idolatry and them being taken to captivity in the land of Babylon. The Psalms were written by such men as Moses, the sons of Korah, Asaph, the great kings of the nation of Israel, King David, the man after God's own heart, and Solomon, 
his son. This, this, this holy man wrote the Psalms to express deep emotions, emotions of gladness and joy, emotions of worship, yet there are Psalms that expresses emotions of, of, of deep sorrow and desperation. These songs and these hymns and these poems are compiled together as a book to help Israel, the chosen nation of God, to worship. This, this is an aid in praise. This is an aid in worship. And there is something that, you know, the guy or the guys, the, the, the project team that come together to compile this book did. What they did is they take the 150 Psalms of the nation of Israel and they divide them into five books. So when, when you read the book of Psalms, you are reading the compilation of books. So there is a first book, a second book, third, fourth, and fifth. And this five book, as I said, were compiled over a period of time, but it was after the exile that we get our five books now put together. There is a thought. There is a thought in, 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 in putting these books together. This is not just a random throwing away of books. There is, there is a thought that is put in place. There are great themes that goes with each and every of the five books. We, we start the book just opening it up. We learn something about the book. We learn that it is a book of blessings. When you read the first time, what does it say to us? Blessings. Blessings. There, it gives it to us. That is the theme of the book. The theme of the book is about blessings. It's about how men get blessed. It's about how God get blessed. <laughs> and, and we see it. We see it in, in how these scribes are putting it together. There is one thing that we notice at the end of each and every of the five books. When the first book finishes, it finishes there in Psalms 41 verse 13. And how does Psalm 41 verse 13 end? Which is the last book, the last chapter of the first book of Psalms. Psalm 41 Verse 13. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. But, but look what the, this guy does. He then compiles the second book and he makes sure that when he ends the second book, he ends it there with Psalm 72. Walk with me there and look at how Psalm 72 verse 18 ends. 
Psalm 72, verse 18, at the very end of the second book of Psalms, it says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with this glory. Amen. Amen. And, 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 and the compilation continues. He goes to the third book. Look how he finishes the third book in Psalm 89, verse 52. He says in Psalm 89, verse 52, as he closes the, 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 the third book of Psalms, he says, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. How does he close the fourth book of Psalms? Psalm 106, mm -hmm. verse 48. Psalm 106, verse 48, he finishes the fourth book of Psalms. He says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. So we see that the book of Psalms is about the blessing. The book of Psalms is about praising the Lord. The book of Psalms is about worshiping God. This is why this book is being put and compiled together. is so that the nation of God can know how to worship. That in whatever situation they find themselves, in the various themes of the five books, as it comes to an end, whether it is an end about, oh, why are you cast down all my soul? Hope thou in God. Why am I troubled? My enemies are running after him. Whatever the situation is, at the end of this story, at the end of this episode, there is only one conclusion according to the book of Psalms is blessed be the Lord. Let everybody say amen. Praise the Lord. That is the book of Psalms. I don't want to talk about the fifth book because the entire book, the entire last section of the Psalms is just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then he gets to Psalm 150, which is the last Psalm, the last Psalm of the all Psalms, the last Psalm of the fifth books of Psalm. He says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mightiness. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with triumph and sound. Praise him with lute and heart. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him let everything that has read. Oh, praise the Lord. That's how he closes it. 
So it is very clear to us that when we look at the book of Psalms, there is only one context for this book. And the context of this book is about the praise of the one true God, the God of the children of Israel, the, 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 the Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. He must be praised. He must be praised in all circumstances. He must be praised in all situations. But we, out of the 150 psalms, we're picking one, one psalm, which is Psalm 123. And, I mean, we, 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 have, we have already established in our mind that the, 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 the right way of understanding one Psalms 1, 2, 3 is to understand it in the context of praise. So, meaning we mustn't, we mustn't bring our own frameworks into it. This is a, a psalm about the people of God who are in worship and are praising God. That is the context. And when we read it, it says, Psalm 123, a song of ascent. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid servant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our souls had had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease of the contempt of the proud. After establishing the setting for this psalm, we are going to look at two points as we go through this one this morning. The first point is looking unto the Lord for mercy. That is verse number one to verse number two. Then the second point is the mercy of the Lord that comforts and encourages. That is verse number three to verse number four. You will notice with me that this psalm is called a song of ascent. A song of ascent. A song of ascent. This is a set of 15 psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 that have been arranged together in this way. They are called the Pilgrim's Song. These songs, these, these are the songs of ascent, the songs of going up. So these are the songs that the children of Israel will sing when they travel up. They are believed to have been sung by the children of Israel as they were journeying through the breadth and the length of the nation of Israel to go to the mountain 
where the temple of the Lord was to worship the Lord. They had several annual uh, festivals that they were attending, such as the, the Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles. So as they will go to the temple, this is the song that they will sing as they journey. But it is also believed that they have they've been very powerful during the exile years. And after that, these were the songs that the Jews in the diaspora, as they moved from Babylon in captivity, going to attend this festival to worship the only true God among the nations that were surrounding them, that were worshiping idols, they will be on their feet facing Jerusalem, going to Jerusalem, going up the mountain of the Lord, singing this song. Jerusalem is a city that is set on a hill, and no matter where they came from, Jerusalem will always be up. Hence they say, the song of ascent. We understand the context of this psalm, Psalm 103, as the context of the worship of God in Jerusalem. I mean, the, the, the closest context that we have is in Psalm 122, where he make, the psalmist makes it clear. That, I mean, from verse 1 to, to, to verse 4, he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. So we see from, from the context of Psalm 123 that this is a psalm that is set within the context of worship. The psalmist is glad to go into the house of the Lord. He stands within the gates of Jerusalem and it was to greet, to give thanks, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So it is within this context that we look at our first point. Taking verse 1 and verse 2. To you I lift my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of the maidservant to the hand of the mistress, our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy on us. The psalmist looks to the Lord, he addresses the Lord personally. And this is, this is for the psalmist to show his own personal confidence in the Lord. There is something special about this look. Earlier on in Psalm 121, the psalmist had said, I lift up my eyes to the hill from where comes, 
From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. But I, I, I noticed something about the look of Psalm 123 is that he does not look to the hills. This time around, he looks a step further and he lifts them straight to the Lord who is enthroned in the heavens. Hallelujah. The psalmist come to us with a use of a beautiful literary device. And, and, and this is this, this we must understand that among the 66 books of the Bible, Psalms falls under a genre that we call poetry. Poetry. We have epistles, we have wisdom literature, we have narratives. So, so, so Psalms sits there in what we call poetry. And then now, what the psalmist does here, he uses what we call parallelism. Parallelism is, is, is very common in the book of Psalms but, and with every other poetic books in the Bible. And how does parallelism work? With parallelism, the psalmist will say something, right? And then he will, in the next verse, repeat the, the same thing, but he will say it in a different way just to emphasize, meaning that when he, he goes to the next verse and says that particular thing, he's not coming up with a new thought or a new idea. He's still saying the same thing, but for the purpose of emphasis, for, for the purpose of, of, of the use of language, he will, he will take the very same idea and repeat it again. Right. And this is where we find the parallelism that the psalmist used. He uses it in verse number two. Remember he said to us, I will lift my eyes to the hills. So to, to, the, to the Lord who is enthroned in the heavens, meaning the eyes are for looking. Then he gets to verse 2. When he gets to verse 2, he is not telling us a new thing. He's still emphasizing and repeating on the same point of looking to say, fellow Israelites, in this situation, in this circumstance, there is only one thing that we can do, and that is to look to the Lord who is enthroned on high. In case you do not understand the type of looking that I'm talking about, the, 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 the psalmist uses the skill of language to demonstrate and to show the type of looking that this worshippers must have. He says it is the type of looking that the servant looks at his master with. It is the type of looking that the maid servant looks at the mistress with. He says, he says, Israel, this is the type of looking that I'm talking about. It, it, it is the looking, it is the looking of, 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 of desperation. It is the look of desperation. It is the look of dependence. It is the look that desires intervention. It's not just, I mean, there are many types of looks, right? There are many types of looks. There are people that look at you and it, it is a look of despise. 
The way that person is looking at you, it's very clear that she or he is despising you. But there is a look of terror. Somebody can look at you or you can look at someone and there is terror and fear and trembling that is written all over your face. There are, there are different types of look. There, there is a romantic look. There is a, there is a look that is, is, is shared between a husband and a wife. There, there are different types of look. So the psalmist here is very clear what type of look he wants the children of Israel to lift their eyes to the one who is on the throne with. He says, I want you to look at him with the type of look, the type of look that the guys who stands at the robot looks the driver of a nice posh SUV, the look of desperation, the look of pleading, the look of request. He expands the thought of looking by using this literally device of parallelism, eyes of the servant, eyes of the maid servant, looking at the hand of the master, looking at the hand of the mistress. So the one who is enthroned in the heavens, as we will know in the Bible, has a mighty Come on. He has a mighty hand. And that is the type of look that the psalmist is having. So previously he lift his eyes to the hills. Now he lifts his eyes to the one who is enthroned on the heavens. Usually this worshippers, if you read the Psalms, they speaks of all you who dwells in the heavens. Right? If you read the Psalms, that is the repeated phrase you're going to face. Oh, you who dwells in the heavens. But this time around, they are not looking at he who dwells in the heavens. They are looking at he who is enthroned in the heavens. They are speaking to he who has the supreme authority, the governor, the ruler, the king seated on his throne, who rules and reigns in the affairs of men. Why? 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 Why address him as the king who is sitting on the throne? It is there in verse 2. It is only the king who sits on the throne that can grant either justice or mercy. And this time around, they are pleading for mercy. So our eyes look to our Lord, our God, till he has mercy upon us. The type of intervention that the psalmist wants is the Lord mercy. I mean, on a normal day, they usually ask for help. They usually ask for protection in the book of Psalms. They usually ask that the Lord quietens their spirit. But this time around, 
the psalmist says, we are pleading for mercy. Hmm. An interesting concept. Mercy. And I think the best way to address it is to now go into our point two, which is found in verse three and verse four. Have mercy upon us, O God. Have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough of contempt. Our souls have had a more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. At this point, we need to understand why is it that the psalmist is pleading for mercy. In building our context, we understood that the pilgrims are moving from places afar from Jerusalem towards Jerusalem. Now, this worshiper is surrounded by nations who do not know God nor regard him. They are idols worshippers, they are pagans, they are heathens who do not follow the one true God. They worship craven images. What, was this not the reason why the nation of Israel was taken into captivity? For 70 years. Was it not because they were consumed by idols? This is the kind of people that Israel is doing life with. Israel is doing life with people who worship idols, who love idols. Guess what? Guess what? Israel have been influenced. They are also worshippers of idols. And the Lord took them in his mighty arm and go and plug them in Babylon. Now, there seems to be a sense that comes to them. They need to travel from Babylon to Jerusalem and go and worship the Lord. They need mercy. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. For we have had more than enough of contempt. The psalmist intensifies his cry for mercy. His desperation is intensified and it is clear to us as the readers that the need for mercy is at the center of his plea. He says the reason we are asking for mercy, it is because of contempt. What is contempt? Contempt is, is, is mockery. When you say you, 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 you are dealing with something with contempt, it, 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 it's mockery. It, 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 it's being despised. It's, it's, it's being mocked. It's, 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 being, it's being laughed at. It, it's being made fun of. It, it's being disrespected. So the nation of Israel and the psalmist is saying, as we walk to Jerusalem, men and women are busy making a mock of us. They are laughing as us, as we are going to worship the Lord. He literally says, we are drained. We are tired of their mockery, Lord. We are tired. 
of, of them making us a laughing stock. It is, it is quite an interesting concept, isn't it, that, that his people are going to worship God, yet they are being mocked. Does that ring a bell? Does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody who sold out to forsake idols, to forsake craven images, and in his heart desires to do what is right, to obey Exodus chapter number 20 and worship the only one to God. Yet people are laughing. Have you been there? Have you been there? Have you been there as the worshiper of God? Where people are making a mockery, a mockery of the fact that you, you will worship God. You will not bow down before trees. You will not slaughter animals and do things that heathens and pagans are doing. Aha! Mr. I believe. Mrs. I believe. Since when you do not worship Amagos? Since when you do not worship Badim? Where is your child after so many years in marriage? Mm -hmm. Isn't it that you, 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 the worshiper of, of, of the true God, you, the worshiper who says there is only one way to God and his name is Jesus Christ, there is no other way. You know better than everybody around in this family. You, you, you are a worshiper of God when you, you worship the true God when where is your job having, having worshiped this so-called true God when people are, are, are slaughtering and isn't those you are here telling oh, does this sound familiar somebody that that a worshiper of God is getting mocked they say have mercy on us have mercy on us have mercy upon us for we have had more than enough of contempt. Where the, where the psalmist is, is not just having little pinitini poking of, of holes. They have been on their case. They have been on their case. As, as a matter of fact, I suspect that this type of mockery and scorning is what, is what Nehemiah had in mind and, and his companions and it must be what they suffered. I read in Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse 7, that Nehemiah requested a letter to be given to him, to the governors of the provinces beyond the rivers, that he may pass through until he comes to Judah. Why did Nehemiah, a worshiper of God, why did Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the walls of Jerusalem, why did Nehemiah, a man who is doing the work of God, need a letter? Pass through the borders because the scoffers, the mockers, they were waiting for him. They were not going to allow him to pass those borders easily. They were going to say, Where are you going? Where are you going, Nehemiah? To worship which God? Wasn't the, 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 
the ark of the covenant captured and the utensils of the of, of the temple in Jerusalem taken away. How are you going to worship God and which God were you going to worship to? I need to engage me. I need you to engage me. What, what, what is it? What is it about Old Testament worship of God that could make people to scorn them? Think Exodus. Think Deuteronomy. Think Leviticus. Think Numbers. What about the worship of Yahweh? would make other nations to mock the nation of Israel. I mean, few things could come to mind. All these nations had a little God that they were having in their hands, that they could hide in their pocket, that they could sit down on, that they could do all sorts of things. The children of Israel worshipped an invisible God. But, but what, what is it? What is it about Old Testament worship of God that could make them, that could make the nations scorn the worshippers of God? It's because it is an exclusive worship. This is not the type of worship that all these other nations are having. These nations are polytheists. They are polytheists. They have a God of fertility. They have the God of rain. They have the God of harvest. They have the God of the moon. They have the God of the sun. They have the God of the days. They have the God of the shoes. They have the God of... They have all sorts of God. Here are people telling us that they are worshipping a true God. Yet it is one God. Invisible God. What type of God is this? You can't see him because other nations in the morning, they go to their shrines, they see their idols there. That the, 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 is it Isaiah who was laughing at them the other day? He says, the, 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 wet, the, 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 the wet smith have cut down the tree and carved their God and they put in the backyard in, in the shrine. That was not the case with the children of Israel. They couldn't carry their God in their pocket. He is enthroned in the heavens. They couldn't carry their God in their pocket. But another thing, they couldn't say, as per the feelings and as per the situations, I will go to this God. If it is a fertility issue, I will go to this God. If it is a prosperity issue, I will go to this God. If it is an emotional issue, I will go to this God. No, there is only one God, invisible. And they are going through the borders. They are laughing at them as they go. Let's think about what would be a normal reaction, a, a, a natural response to, to people mocking you, teasing you, making fun of it. What, what, what are some of the words that comes to your mind when you can think about people who are, are mocking you? I can think of a word, retaliation, right? You can retaliate. And some of you here must be having one of the best comebacks, right? It could be retaliation. It, it could be revenge. You, you could defend yourself 
But according to Psalm 123, the psalmist says, as they mock me, I will look to God and plead for me. As they mock me in my worship, I will look to God and plead for mercy. Is it how you live your life? As a worshiper of God, of the one true God. When people are teasing you and mocking you about your faith, when people are teasing you, I know a certain religion, you don't dare tease them. They will finish you. You tease them, you tease their symbols, you tease their personality, they will finish you, but not the nation of Israel. As they mock them, as they tease them, they look to the Lord and they plead for mercy. Have mercy on us, O oh God. We have had enough of their contempt. What is the difference between contempt and mercy? The nations and the mockers are dishing out contempt, but the psalmist have an understanding that if I look to the throne of God, to the one who is enthroned, he, he, he will dish out mercy. What is the difference? I say mercy comes from the throne room of God. Contempt comes from the fork tongues of idol worshippers. Contempt is proud and arrogant. Mercy is humble. Contempt discourages and dis demoralizes. Mercy uplifts and it empowers. It is for that reason that the psalmist is right to cry out for mercy. He's not going to say contempt for contempt. Mockery for mockery. No, 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 no. As they, as they mock me, I will look to the one who is enthroned and plead for mercy. What do we share in common with these worshippers? We are also the worshippers of God through his son, Jesus Christ. We are called to worship in spirit and in truth. We are also faced with mockers and the scornful who make fun of our faith in God and ridicule our resolve to live lives that are pleasing to God. And that mockery comes in many forms. They will want you to compromise when it comes to issues of integrity and character in your workplace. Instead of being shy and hiding away, we are to plead with the Lord for mercy, who is enthroned on high. So, as we come to an end, I would like to say to us that the book of Psalms teaches us that everything that has breath must praise the Lord must worship God. And in our attempt to worship God 
and to praise him, we will be mocked. We will be treated with contempt. We will be made fun of. And there is one thing that we need to learn from this psalms that for us to truly worship God, circumstances around our lives need not be perfect. Circumstances around our lives need not be sorted out first. In the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the scorns, we are to praise the Lord. We are to worship. This is the reason why Christ came. So that he might gather worshipers unto the Lord. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto myself. This is why Christ came, to gather worshipers for God. This is why missions exist. This is why we, we go out and preach the gospel. It's, it's so that we gather worshipers for God. Because as we read in Revelations, at the end of it all, all of God's creation is going together around the throne of God and worship Him forever and ever. But while we wait for that day where we worship God without distraction, while we are on this earth, there will be those who mock us. There will be those who make fun of our worship and we need to realize that it is only in Jesus Christ that God gives his mercy because if God gives mercy and every time God gives mercy and every time mercy is shown anywhere there is always a question of justice. Right? When mercy is given out, the question is, what about justice? What about justice? And we know that the epitome of righteousness and justice is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross and he paid the price and he answered the question of justice so that he might be just and the justifier of those who believe in God. So I would like to close with Psalm 124, which is in the context of Psalm 123. And it shows that indeed the Lord does answer prayer when his children are crying out for mercy. When we cry out for mercy, we're just not crying out for mercy in, 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 in as some sort of guesswork. Indeed, the Lord will have mercy on his people when they cry out for mercy. Psalm 124 says, think about these worshipers as they travel and are going up to the mountain to worship. Here is what the, 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 the psalmist says in response to Psalm 123 pleading for mercy. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they should have swallowed us up alive 
when their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us will have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bed from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The Lord will rescue us. The idea is not to hide. The idea is not to run away. The idea is to soldier on and worship God. Live a life of, of worship. Live a life of, of dedication. Psalm 124 guarantees us that when we look to the Lord who is enthroned in the heaven and we cry for mercy, in the midst of being filled with scorn and despise, the Lord is on our side. The Lord is on your side. Don't compromise. Don't go back. Don't throw the towel. The Lord is on our side. And he does that through the ministry of the word and through the ministry of the spirit. In his son, Jesus Christ, he's near to all who need his mercy and grace. I don't know how the holidays will look for you. I don't know how they are looking for you. It might be that it's, it's difficult for you to worship God because of the mockery and the scorns of the world. What the world seeks to offer during this time. I would like you to believe Psalm 123. I would like you to believe one, Psalm 124 that if you look to the Lord who is enthroned in the heaven, cry out for mercy, he will have mercy on you, and you will escape. Let us bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of our frustrations and confusions, as we seek and desire to live lives that are pleasing to you, as we seek and desire to live lives of worship, O oh God, fully obeying you and doing what pleases you and glorifies you, O oh God, we, we, we face mockery, despising, and, and shame. Thank you that in your Son, Jesus Christ, you provide help for us. Amen.